2: As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't.
0: This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Tuesday, the 15th day of March, the year of our Lord 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside
2: Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you? It's good to see you. How was your weekend? i healthy, alive, doing well. Weekend was good. Uh, It seemed like it drug on, actually, and that's pretty rare. Usually weekends feel like the rest of the weekend just fly by, but this weekend actually seemed fairly long, relatively speaking.
0: And I understand you guys changed clocks over there this weekend. We haven't changed yet here. So I was an hour late coming in the door today. I do
2: apologize for that. Uh, it was totally my fault. Well, it was my fault for not mentioning it as well. Uh, I I I knew it, um, but I was just like, yeah, whatever. It works. Well, you know, caught up on the news and everything. The, uh, well, the mainstream media has been saying for
0: for many, many weeks now in the U.S. and Europe that setting your clock ahead one hour could be a sign for a heart attack or a stroke. D- did you have a heart attack or a stroke because you set your clock forward an hour?
2: Huh, no, no, um, no, that's uh, see, I see. I didn't go and get one of the jabs, so uh, I'm not concerned about that. How dare you not protect everybody else? What's wrong with you? How how dare you? Uh, that's literally like saying protecting everyone else by committing suicide. Well, well yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, <laughs> I was listening to an interview of, uh, of Dowd over the weekend. The guy's doing interviews like crazy now, but I heard uh, another outfit that he was doing an interview with and he said it was just sheer speculation on his part. But if you think about it, if you think about it, from the context of, of what we're dealing with here, with the pharma companies, the governments, the the condition that the markets are in, the unsustainable sovereign debt crisis that they're not talking about yet, you notice they haven't said word one about anything involving the national debts. They haven't said anything about that. It's Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine. Don't pay any attention to all the people we're killing with COVID. No, no, don't pay any attention to that. No, no, no. Russia, Ukraine, pay attention to that. I actually heard that there's a there's a campaign now that's going around into certain businesses saying you have to have your ID and your social media platform up to show your support for Ukraine or they'll refuse you service I don't know if that's true or not I've actually heard that I've heard that uh, as a matter of fact I and again I don't know if this is uh, if this is true or not but it is floating around and it's this right here. Uh, so, Bruce, be on the lookout for stuff like this. Okay, this is supposedly from British Columbia, and I've heard that this—I've heard over the weekend that there are similar businesses in the UK that are now starting to ask for donations at the checkout lines when you're there for Ukraine, which coerce charity. You know, that's that, that's that's fantastic, isn't it? Now we're coercing charity. First, it was shots; now we're coercing charity. Anyway, um, I, I was listening to Dowd over the weekend, and he um, he brought up an interesting point. And if you think about it. If you go by all the things that I just mentioned, is this really a conceivable thought? This is something that I had brought up a, about a year or two ago. Do you remember, yeah, go ahead that was the Babylon B article It was a Babylon B okay, all right good because that, that'd be disgusting if that's what businesses were actually doing
2: yeah, that, that okay. would be but all the right. thing is would that, it be the top or, you when you were world telling grand? me that yeah, when you were telling me that I'm like, well, it fits the COVID narrative that that fits in that might be a little early though we might actually see that in the that's coming true. months. That is true because we've seen a lot of things out of the
0: Babylon B and we're like like that should be the Babylon B and it's not. So, yeah, it's, we can't really distinguish between fiction and reality. But anyway, I remember saying a couple of years ago, uh, up until recently, I've been talking about Zbigniew Brzezinski and he gave a speech once to the Council on Foreign Relations and he said, "It's become apparent that it's easier to kill a million people than it is to convince a million people." Now, if you Take that logic, which I believe what we're seeing in the Ukraine and this arming of proxy war mercenaries and things like that, that's all the mindset of Brzezinski. Encircling Russia, that was all the mindset of Brzezinski. So if you take that logic that he said about convincing people and killing people, if you take that logic and you apply it to what's going on with uh, with the COVID jabs that they don't want to talk about, is it more profitable to if you're the banking establishment, if you're if you're the the Klaus Schwab types, if you're the Fed and the, the central banking cartel, is it more profitable to kill? people than it is to pay for them? As in like your pension funds, the payouts at the end? Is that where we are now? Because if you look at the numbers we've gone over from the debt crisis, they've created upwards of $150 trillion in the last 12 years that we were discussing before we started. Is it now a case of we're just uh, we're just going to get rid of people because we can't pay for them? And like I said, they haven't mentioned the, uh, the debt crisis. They haven't mentioned that at all. They're going to hit you with that one, I think, when... Uh, uh, when the sanctions don't work, and they're going to try and uh, they're, they're going to say, "Oh, look, see, it was Putin." I think they're trying to figure out how to to, to spin it right now to get the capital markets involved. But uh, at the moment, I think it's uh, I think it's just preparing them and giving them the uh, the cushion they need before everybody makes a run for the exits. Uh, and be, to be honest, I think the only thing that's stopping that right now is the fact that the dollar is still accepted worldwide. That's what is keeping the U.S. together at the moment. To break this down to people, the ones that don't understand it. This is simple economics. The reason you in America, the reason you don't have hyperinflation at the moment is because you have the petrodollar. The current ruling establishment is in the process of making sure that that doesn't happen going forward. When all of the countries around the world decide that they are going to dump the dollar, and I mean dump it overnight, as in tomorrow morning you wake up and you've got $15 a gallon gasoline or even higher. Are you going to spend $300 to fill up your gas tank? All the gas guzzler and SUVs that we drive in the U.S., are you going to be keeping those? No, those are going
2: to be parked. You're not going to be able to move those things. See, that's why we have to have a digital currency, though, because we'll be able to control those inflationary uh, situations. You know, we'll, we'll be able to regulate what people can buy and all those fun things, you know, where supply and demand is. And, uh, uh, you know, keep, keep inflation under, under control. Keep you from having to pay those kind of prices. Right.
0: Sure. That's going to wake some people up, I think, really quickly. If you think that you're a person that has, oh, I don't know, $5 million in the bank and you're going to be just fine, I got news for you. That's not going to work. That's not going to work in the way that they're taking things. It doesn't matter anymore about that stuff. Do you understand? We're still focused on the consumer lifestyle and, and this whole idea of a convenient system. That's not going to be relevant in the coming days I would argue it's not relevant now. We started abandoning that stuff a couple of years ago around here. We started kicking that stuff out of the way because that wasn't going to be the way going forward. If you're some I'll put it to, I'll put it to you in, in, in layman's terms, if you're somebody that is defined by the possessions you have, as in what you wear, what kind of clothes you wear and what you drive, if you think that that is something that's going to matter in the days coming, in the days going forward, then you're going to be very disappointed. I hate to tell you that. Doesn't matter if you have an $80,000 car in the driveway, a $100,000 car in the driveway or $10,000 car in the driveway. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have Armani suits. It doesn't matter if you have the Walmart special or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. That doesn't define you. Not in my opinion. What defines someone is who they are not what they have. If you come up to me, for example, just me personally, if you come up to me and you're somebody that's flashing off what they've got as in what you've, what you've earned and what you've accumulated, that's not going to get you very far with me when it comes to a conversation. I'm probably not even going to speak to you. Not for very long anyway. I've got better things to do than to waste my time with someone like that. That's fake. That's not real. I care about what someone stands for. Not what they have i don 't care what you have i don't care if you have a hundred properties i don't care if you have fifty cars or or whatever you 've got some big flashy phone or or some a thousand dollar pair of jeans or or a, or a coat you're wearing i don 't care that doesn't define you might define that you're an idiot, but it doesn't define you. What matters is who you are as a person and how you treat other people
2: that 's what defines you at least for me when it comes to you know interactions with people i'm i'm Pretty much the same way. I don't really care about the things or the uh, any of those. Uh, w- what I care about is morals, uh, you know, content of character, you know, those kind of things. And uh, depending on what the situation is or you know, where the conversation leads, it also depends on the conversation as well. You know, what, what topics you're talking about. If you're talking about football, for example. I'll humor you for a bit, but I don't really care. I, I know nothing about it. and I don't really care. Uh, but if you get into something sciencey nerdy or something or something that we share an interest in, you know, um, sure. share an interest in I'll football because
0: don't you share an you interest know. in football. Don't you no. don't you know what the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys wife had for lunch yesterday that she put all over
2: Instagram? Don't you know that? Mm, no, no. Uh, I mean, I I will I will humor it a little bit because, you know, there's things like Colin Kaepernick and some of the you know, political side, how they've tried to go political. I, I, I can talk about those, those you know, that aspect of it, because I do agree with the um, s- sentiment of many of the football uh, enthusiasts uh, in my circles. They're tired of the uh, politicization of everything and and constantly talking about a race or any of those kind of things. So I, I can agree and, you know, sympathize with yeah, that. That's and, fair. That's fair. Yeah. You know, I get it. I don't want that in my entertainment either. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. You know, I've sat across the table from and I've had conversations from people that are uh, I'll put it this way. They're very um, they're very wealthy. And you know what? I can say that some of them have a decent head on their shoulders. Some of them. They're not all pompous asses and all that stuff. And then I've sat across the table from people that are not billionaires and they think that they're millionaires and they're complete buffoons. They're morons. I'll give you an example. Uh, There was a guy I pulled into a parking lot one day. There was a guy who pulls into the the parking space across from me. I think I even told the story here. He pulls into the parking space across from me with the top down on his brand new SLS Mercedes, right? Which is about a hundred grand out the door. And that's here, by the way. He gets out of the car. He's got skin tight jeans on, skin tight, skinny jeans on. He's got a, a, a pink shirt, a pink button up shirt. Nothing against people who wear pink shirts. Nothing against that. But then he's got the sweater that's draped over the shoulders and tied at the neck. He's got the the brown pointy leather shoes. And Bruce is already laughing. Then on top of that, he's got the man purse. And then he puts the mask on and he walks in to get a COVID test. If that right there, it just as an example, if that right there, if that is an example of of somebody that is revered, we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do because somebody like that, just on the surface of it, right? And I'm not judging the person because I didn't speak to him. But I did say out loud, are you effing serious? As I got out of the car and he was getting out of his car as I was looking right at him and he was looking right at me. So he knew that I was saying that to him and he went ahead with his business anyway. But my point is, is that if that right there is an example, just on the face of it, from what you can see, because over 70% of communication is nonverbal. If that right there is an example of what we have to deal with in the future,
2: somebody like that's going to be very disappointed in what they're about to experience. You know, growing up, uh, we heard the phrase, you, you don't judge a book by its character, or maybe if you're a parent, you said that to your kids or something by its similar. Yeah. You don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Yeah, that's the the phrase. Yeah, no, that's that's totally false. That that is one hundred percent false. You can judge a, a book by its cover. You you go at you go around and you see somebody walk with as you described. You know the kind of um, accent they're going to. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. You you yeah. know exactly where it's going to go. So no, I, I don't want to sit here and sound condescending, but that just to me, j- just
0: just for me, as I see that somebody like that right there is an example of they think that they're better than everyone else is my point. I don't think that I'm better than anyone else. I've never thought that. I never will think that. That's too, um, I I don't know, narcissistic maybe. I I don't believe that. I don't believe that, uh, that I'm better than anybody else. I don't consider myself to be anything different than the average Joe out there. I'm just extremely angry at what I see that's happening to our societies. There's no excuse for this. What, because a bunch of bankers and politicians can't play nice together and you dumbasses think that we're stupid and you're going to keep us in the dark because it's for our own good? You think we don't understand what you people are doing? You think we don't know what you've done to bring us to this point? You think we don't know that you're murdering people? Y- you think that we don't know that you've created a debt crisis that's, it's not even conceivable by the human mind?
2: You think we don't know what you've done? I- I'd say that's a bit naive, wouldn't you? Uh, <laughs> I I would also like to throw in and say that I'm not um, I'm not saying that, you know, I think myself better than them or any of those kind of things. Um, What I am saying, however, is um, I will judge books by uh, by by the cover. And um, if your cover is showing you to be a fool, I will not hesitate to say you're being foolish. But that's not me saying I'm better than you. That's just saying that your actions are foolish. Well, the uh, the banking establishment's actions are foolish. The
0: corporation's actions are foolish. The political class's actions are foolish. The celebrity class's actions are foolish. The sports stars that get political, their actions are foolish.
2: I w- to use a, a biblical phrase, I would say they are world-wise, but fools at the same time. They have a lot of worldly wisdom, and that's that's it. They don't have a lot of truth in them. Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm this weekend did you hear much about what's going on in ukraine in the u.s um not okay so not uh, on official channels if you will being mainstream media and that kind of stuff i didn't really pay attention to what they're saying now looking at the news um they are talking about ukraine their own narratives which they're they're pushing we need to go uh in deeper with ukraine we need to send them aircraft we need to send them more um uh, munitions um we need to allow uh, more readily allow our citizenry to go and fight for ukraine and all of that and blah 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 um and i have also seen on um some various other channels that ukrainians that are there are posting what's going on journalists are posting what's going on uh video photo this is the first time we've we've seen a war that's gone down where everyone or potentially everyone in the area has a, cell, a smartphone, camera, video, all of that. So we're seeing a lot of uh, video, a lot of pictures, a lot of stuff that, uh, about what's going on. And it's a lot of information to try to not really decipher, but you got to be careful what with what's propaganda and with what's real. So...
0: Example. There was a let's talk about the Zelensky thing there. There was a clip over the weekend that came out of Zelensky. And a lot of people are saying that it's he's standing in front of a green screen. And Bruce sent me another video over the weekend of I believe it's Zelensky's uh, Instagram account or something like that. And it was that's where it came actually. Yeah, it was actually the him standing in front of the place where he gave that speech where he was supposedly standing in front of a green screen. I can show you the video that I was shown today. This is what they believe is to be that. This is the video that you sent me, uh, it, although it was from the, uh, the side because it was taken with a phone, I believe. But this is the video that they believe mm-hmm. to be a fake. And the reason they believe that it was done in a studio is because if you look at how he fades up, but the, uh, the rock tiles right here in yep. front of him do not... Yeah. also
2: the, it, uh, that, that didn't the, look right yeah
0: yeah the the ones that are behind him obviously that should stay blurred out but these up here is as he comes in focus those should come in focus as well because the lens can't really differentiate unless you do it mm-hmm. post and you start to blur that stuff out uh, if you yeah, do that but, possibly yeah. also yeah. the other thing that was uh that was shown here was the lighting the lighting doesn't match if you look at the lighting that's coming from over top of the building here, it's coming from over top of the building. But if you look at him, it's coming from behind him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It looks like that either either this one or the one that they actually released was edited or something, because the one that I sent you with the cell phone footage, mm-hmm. it doesn't have that kind of lighting on his shoulders at all. No. No. No, it doesn't. Uh,
0: that's why people are saying that this was shot in a studio. Yeah. So it's it, it's the, the point the point we're trying to make here is that it's it's so easy to get caught up in, in misinformation because we've seen three different clips of the same speech now, three different angles, and we're trying yeah. to decide whether or not it's actually uh, real or it's not because what he's saying in here although albeit it was in Ukrainian, what he's saying in here uh, is is not all that different than the speech that he's going that he's due to give to the
2: U.S. Congress. I think it is tomorrow. Yeah, I believe it's uh, it's coming up. It's tomorrow. It might be today or tomorrow going by our airing times. So anyway, the the point is,
0: is that there's a lot of real information out there. There's a lot of disinformation out there and trying to sift through it and trying to make your mind up about uh, what's real and what's not is not an easy thing to do, because, again, we've seen three takes of the same speech and we're trying to we're trying to figure out whether or not it was actually real. And as much as there is going on, we don't have time. To sit down and decipher all that stuff and go through it for hours on end just for one clip because by the time you get to that there's three others that have dropped so we just don't have time but anyway let's move on to uh, let's move on to China's involvement the U S national security advisor with uh, uh, who's who's Jake Sullivan by the way uh, he has warned the Chinese Communist Party he says that um, China will face consequences if it helps Russia evade sanctions over Ukraine if you were China wouldn't you be afraid no. I wouldn't be afraid.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't be afraid if I'm Russia or China.
0: Oh, now, come on. If you if you saw this guy right here, if you saw this guy right here threatening you with sanctions, or excuse me, not sanctions were for, for my manners. If you saw this guy right here saying that uh, you're going to face consequences if you help
2: Russia uh, evade sanctions, wouldn't you take that seriously? I would take the threat seriously, but the concern I would have for it would be minimal. I mean... You're, okay you're Russia number one your your economy's already in the crapper uh you, you, your money is basically worthless they, they, there was a video that was going around of a guy that took a, a big wad of uh rubles inside of a mall and just threw it from a, a second story down onto the people below because it's worthless it means I mean you could probably buy um uh you know uh well really you cheat you, you toilet paper is probably more expensive than, a, than a, 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 you know, using the ruble as a toilet paper at this point. But I, I don't know, I don't really know what, what, what are you going to threaten them with at this point? Like China? No,
0: it's not, it's not Russia already, that, that they're threatening. They're threatening China.
2: Yeah. But that's what I'm getting at is China, um, well, yeah, I was referencing Russia with the sanctions we already have on them, but then China, the, anything we do to China, China is already effectively sanctioning us. By shutting down the manufacturing locations for many of the companies that sell their products here. They, they did a bunch of shutdowns of cities this weekend because of uh, uh, COVID. Uh, and the, the mainstream media is calling it uh, Deltacron. There's no COVID in China. It's that, That's ridiculous. You know what the problem is. We talked
0: about what the problem was last week. When they shut down Shenzhen, well, they shut down another city of, I don't know, how, how many million did you say it was that they shut down over the weekend? Uh, 18, 18 million is what I was saying. 18 million. Like, yeah, 18 yeah. million. Well, um, when you don't have the ability to feed your people, well, you need COVID, don't you? Uh, also, China's stock market just, well, it happened to crash yesterday, uh, but that's not really talked about at all in the mainstream press. Instead, you've got the Chinese Communist Party who are demanding that the United Nations investigate the U.S. over their bio labs in Ukraine. Well, that's, that's too rich considering that, well, we've tried to get an investigation into the lab at Wuhan and the involvement with, with uh, corrupt elements in the U.S. and Anthony Fauci and the Department of Defense. We've been trying to get your labs investigated for two years now. But no, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. All the investigators were there, right, led by Peter, none other than Peter Daszak, who was uh, the front man for the money to go through his foundation of EcoHealth Alliance to the Wuhan lab. That's where Fauci sent all the money. He had up the investigation and he was asked, well, we can't go in there. Yeah, we, we, we talked to some people that were there, but, um, we you know, we didn't push them or anything. They said, well, what, you, you can't even ask him tougher questions? He says, well, what, what more can we do? But yet you've got China that's out there demanding that the U.S. be investigated, which I'm not against. Make no mistake, I'm not against that. But we need to look at both sides of the coin
2: here. I actually don't disagree with China. I would like an investigation into that, but the rest of the world can bugger off. Um, This can be handled on the home front. And I, I think the punishments and whatnot when the guilty verdict is found will be Adequate. But that's uh, something. Uh, Dr. Zelenko, I think he he said it best, I think.
0: Could be wrong. Uh, but anyway, back to this Russia and, and China thing. So Moscow has reached out to uh, China to request military assistance with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Hmm. That's being reported by a few outfits. Uh, Russia Russ is asking the Chinese to provide military equipment and aid as Russian forces begin to falter, I, I don't understand. I, I I don't understand this. Putin's using like his second and third string guys in there, as in like he hasn't even rolled in the good stuff yet. But yet he's asking China for aid. That doesn't make any sense. He's supposedly taking heavy losses in there, which we don't really know. I know that you, the Ukraine side they're taking heavy losses, and the uh, the Russian side they're supposedly taking heavy losses. I don't know. I'm hearing conflicting stories on both sides, so I don't know what the hell's going on in there. But I do know that a lot of the videos we're seeing, some of this Russian uh, stuff, as in like the tanks and a lot of their uh, their like their wheeled vehicles, they're stuck in the mud. They're they're just abandoned on the side of the road with a full tank of fuel. You don't just leave a, a Russian T90 on the side of the road with a full tank of fuel in it. S- something's not right here. It was a horrible time for Putin to go in there to begin with, and for tracked vehicles, let alone wheeled vehicles. But even so, what's China gonna offer? Because it's a terrible time to go in there this time of year, anyway. With the thaw going on, you're headed into spring, and everything's just gonna sink in the mud. You can't fight a war, and I'm not—I'm no military strategist, but I do know enough to know that you can't fight a war on paved roads. You just can't do it. So what? I, I don't understand what, why is Putin in your opinion Bruce why do you think Putin's reaching out to China as opposed to bringing in his uh, his first string heavy stuff back from
2: uh, from Russia if he's that concerned about it So a couple things uh, first is um, I've heard some I don't I don't know if, how true this is but the rumor is uh, when you see uh, Russian uh, vehicles in in videos and whatnot and they have a, a Z or a Z, uh, or a V. Those are both Russian identifiers, but the Z is conscripts. The V is uh, better trained soldiers, if you will. They've been there a while. Uh, if you look at the Z crews, they're 18, 20, you know, kind of in that rage. Uh The V crews look to be 40s. You know, they look like they've, they're experienced. That might be uh, something there because Most of the engagements we've seen so far have been Z crews. Is this true or not? Is this the the case? I don't know for sure. Um, I do know that the Russians use a lot of conscription. Um, Their military is not voluntary. Um, You're conscripted, though I I imagine you could probably join it voluntarily as well. But uh, a lot of the hardware they're sending in there is 30 years out of date. Our main battle tank is from the same time period, but we've had like four major updates to it since then. Yeah, the Russians have had updates as well, and they have some of the similar tech. But when you watch an RPG hit the tank and one RPG takes out the tank, whereas our tanks took 16 RPGs and and was still functioning, the only reason they had to stop for repairs was because it hit the optics. Kind of a big difference there. So going to the Chinese to try to get hardware from them, it kind of makes sense because, honestly, the Chinese have been ripping off countries for years and stealing their tech. And it just so happens. Mainly ours. And it just so happens that we have a president whose family has been doing dealings with China and sold dual purpose products to China. So they have much of our tech Firsthand, not just yeah. them doing x rays or, or videos and, and guesstimating. These are actual blueprints.
0: Well, you've also got contractors who decided that they were going to outsource it to china in order to save some money you see and well you know they just they just happen to well i mean if they're going to manufacture it obviously they have to know everything about it right right of course of course you would not just give it to them would you no of course not not like our stealth tech for our submarines that the biden family personally gave to the chinese for
2: money no, of course not. One other thing about the uh, the vehicles that you were mentioning uh, a minute ago that mm-hmm. were abandoned. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm seeing a the, lot of them. That the, been, yeah, different kinds.
0: You know, m- tracked and non-tracked. Yeah,
2: yeah. Not only have they become stuck, as you mentioned, but also they've just deserted. Again, when your when your military is, that is that made happen? up of conscripts, is that actually that is happening? actually happening? They 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 have conscripts that are actually just deserting, and the entire vehicle crews will leave, and you'll you'll see the vehicle already had been ransacked and most of the um you know equipment and everything had been uh, shifted so it's possible that the vehicle well no actually no that's not the case i was going to say that it's possible the vehicle broke down because of logistical issues but supposedly they've been having issues with uh logistics uh fuel and food and not only that but a lot of the russian uh i i can't say a lot because i don't know for sure some of the russian people are against this war and if it's it's stands within reason that your conscripts that you're forcibly making uh, join your military, uh, some of them disagree with the the fight and are the moment they get an opportunity to. Uh, uh, go AWOL, they will.
0: You know, I've I've heard that. I've also been reading today that there are a lot of um, uh, how do I put it mercenaries. I, I guess maybe that's the, the that's the only way uh, for me to put it. You know, the people that are volunteering to go over there and, uh, and and fight on the front lines. A lot of them are being literally sent to the front lines. They're being assigned to a a, a group and they're being sent right to the front and they're getting massacred. As in, like they're literally just like getting mowed down with machine guns. Here's an account of somebody that put one up today. Uh, it says, I know a guy that went to Ukraine to join the uh, the Legion. I guess that's what they're calling it now. I found out that he uh, he died three days ago east of Zytomir, Zyotomir, whatever. I don't know, it's some place there. He was in the Foreign Legion. Initially, he went to the facility in Lviv and it was hit today with missiles. He was keeping in regular contact with his parents each day. They sent the Legion Brigade to What well, I don't know, or Z- whatever, uh, and put them east of the center of, uh, of the city. They were ambushed by an armored group and were annihilated. I only found out he died because another Canadian brigade contacted his family to inform them that he had died. The Ukrainian military weren't interested in contacting any volunteers next to Kent. You were your own responsibility. Annihilated the brigade uh, was the guy's word. He reckons about 80 to 90 percent of their brigade were killed by cannon fire, and high-powered machine guns it would have been an absolute mess if you're over there just get out it's a lost cause and those ukrainian forces are suicidal apparently the guy snuck back into poland And is there catching a bus with dozens of other volunteers that are now deserting. I think people are finally understanding that they've been sold a bill of goods here. And then, of course, this was put out today by uh, Joshua Landis, a verified Twitter user. Uh, Ukraine's Foreign Legion volunteers sign an indefinite contract for $250 a month. This is out of The Economist magazine. Coordinators explained that volunteers would fight on the front line after just three to five days of training. The BBC also did a story on this this morning. I thought it was a joke when I saw it, when I saw that that story out of the BBC, because it, it was out of the BBC. I thought, well, you know, we're living in, in, in clown world nowadays. Who knows if that's true or not? Turns out it is. The Economist did a story on it this afternoon as well. Three to five days, and you're sticking them out there? The photos that they put out there, I'll show it to you, Bruce. The photos that they put out there of these, these kids, this is the actual photo that the BBC put out. This is what they're sending to the front lines over there. They don't stand a chance. They, they, they really don't stand a chance. The, the BBC does a, a big write-up on this. They're sending in teenage army recruits. but th- th- these people that have, uh, that have gone off and, and started this little conflict over there, man, you people are sick. You, you people are sick. Do you think that we need to be paying attention to what's going on over there? This is tragic. Yes, of course, that's tragic. There's no reason whatsoever why any of that should be going on. But if you know the backstory behind what's going on over there, then you know exactly why it's happening. There's a lot to it. Maybe we'll get into it this week. But there's a lot to unpack there. But... They don't want you to pay attention to the death numbers here at home. That's what they don't want you to pay attention to. Because if you listen to some of these interviews that Edward Dowd is giving, we're having Vietnam Wars and World War II style numbers on a regular basis now. To put that into perspective, 50,000 people, roughly 50,000 people aged 25 to 44, that's the millennial generation we call nowadays, 50,000 people 25 to 44 during the Vietnam War era over 10 years were killed. In the second half, according to Dowd, in the second half of 2021, same demographic, 25 to 44. Within six months, we're at 61,000 excess mortalities in the United States alone. I'm sure it's the same in every NATO country where they've done this. That's what they don't want you to see. They don't want to talk about that. Yes, what's happening in, in Ukraine is sad. The people that are dying over there and the man that they're dying is sad. Vladimir Putin going in there, invading another sovereign nation. That's a crime that's punishable by sitting in front of the International Criminal Court, as far as I'm concerned, from anybody, whether it's him or, or anybody else, including George Bush, I might add, for Iraq. But... We're paying attention to a few thousand dying over there again, which I say is sad. It's, that's tragic. But we're not paying attention to those numbers that I just mentioned at home. We're not paying attention to that. We're, we're just supposed to move on, go get a fourth booster like the CEO of Pfizer, who I'm trying to figure out, why is he even speaking? If I were that man, I'd be long gone. You'd never see me again. Of course, I wouldn't be that guy, but I would be, I would be taking whatever money I had, and I'd be scurrying off to whatever bunker I might have bought if I were him. I wouldn't be showing my face anywhere at all. Ever again, I'd be tendering my resignation yesterday. But no, he's on TV saying, "Oh no, we (laughs) we we definitely need a fourth booster now." With the kind of numbers we're seeing at home, I don't think so, sir. I don't think so. And just to put this into perspective, this is Dowd himself on Steve Bannon's podcast talking about the numbers that I just mentioned.
1: This is the CDC's own data um, that they aggregate into um, all ages. Uh, The bottom line is, my uh, insurance industry expert, former sell side Wall Street analyst, went into the CDC data. We were looking for other things, but what we found was pretty shocking. He took the data, and it it took some time and effort. He did a lot of work. He broke it down by age, and he created baselines for each age group to come up with excess mortality. And the money chart is really chart four, which shows that the millennial age group, 25 to 44, experienced an 84% increase in excess mortality into the fall. It's the um, worst ever excess mortality, I think, in the history. Um, just to give you an idea, when you look at chart four, you see when mandates and boosters hit the acceleration into the fall, and then um, it reaccelerated into uh, the end of the year. The drop off in that data you see there is reporting issues. It takes time for millennial age uh, deaths to be reported because they're usually not hospital deaths. So um, that data is gonna be updated and probably shows a continued uh, disturbing trend. So just to put some numbers on this, um, In the fall, uh, starting in the summer into the fall with the mandates and the boosters, um, there were 61,000 excess millennial deaths. Basically, millennials experienced a Vietnam War in in the second half of 2021, okay? 58,000 people died in the Vietnam War, uh, U.S. uh, troops. So this generation just experienced a Vietnam War. And I think this is the smoking gun that the vaccines are causing excess mortality in all age groups, and uh, it's no coincidence that uh, Michelle Walensky refuses to answer Senator Ron Johnson's letters. They're hiding. Fauci's gone, she's gone, they're hiding. So I'm gonna put a a word out there, uh, and it's, it's a word that's old, but it needs to be reintroduced in the conversation. This is what we call democide, death by government. So the government, through the mandates, has killed people.
0: Boy, Bruce, that uh, puts a
2: finer point on your saying all the time, government's bad, okay? Yeah. Uh, and you know what? Even if their data that they're, they're, they're talking about here, let, let's say you refute the data and you're like, eh, nonsense, right? Okay. Explain to me then why the DOD, why the government, why the NIH, why did they fund the Wuhan lab where the virus came from? Why are they funding other laboratories around the world? When you're doing research on this stuff, this stuff is, there. there is no defensive research into pathogens. That's not a thing. When you're researching, when you're doing defensive research, that means you're creating a weapon that you're trying to immunize against. If someone comes in and steals that, they have a weapon immediately available to them. Uh, whereas nuclear and other things, they have to further refine it and go through a longer process. It, it takes a lot more effort and work and knowledge to be able to make a nuclear bomb, as an example, uh, taking from a nuclear reactor. Using that as the example, really, it's just furthering our case. You know, the essentially a Vietnam, multiple Vietnams. It's just furthering what we're, we're saying and putting a finer point to it. These, these people are evil. There's really no other word to use, is there? I mean, at this point, there's really
0: not. We've tried to kind of be a little bit, um, I don't know, polite, possibly give them a benefit of the doubt. No, no. These people have just spent the last almost three years trying to kill you. That's not hyperbole. That is not hyperbole. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir here to our listeners. I mean, you know this, but trying to get this across to somebody else, but they just don't get it. They, they just don't get it. They They don't want to see it. Even now, they don't want to see it. People are not even concerned about the rising price of fuel. On average, those of us that are paying attention, we're concerned about it. Of course we are. We know it's going to go higher. I'm calling it right now, and I could be wrong. God, I hope I'm wrong. I'm saying fifteen dollar a gallon in the US. That's what I'm saying. That's where I think it's going to peak if there's not if they're able to stave off hyperinflation, which I don't think they're going to be able to, but I I I'm calling fifteen dollars a gallon. It's already hitting eight fifty in some places in California already. So I'm calling 15 uh, at that point. At that point, you're not going to be able to drive anywhere. That's going to be it. That's going to eat up into people's budgets too much. It's going to be to the point where people are going to be deciding, okay, I'm either going to eat or I'm going to put gas in my car. And then that's not to mention the fact that you're going to need some kind of, um, I don't know, uh, locks, impenetrable gas tanks, because people are going to start punching tanks and they're going to start siphoning gas out of people's tanks. You're going to start seeing fuel being stolen from people's cars it's going to be that bad. People are not even paying attention to that. So how can you expect to get this point across to anybody about uh, about what's being done with these jobs? And Borla is still on TV. He's on TV. He's on CBS's Face the Nation saying this.
1: Do you think that we will every fall have to prepare ourselves
2: for a booster shot with COVID just like we get a flu shot?
1: I think so. Any variants are coming, and Omicron was the first one that was able to evade in a skillful way the immune protection that we were giving. But also we know that the duration of the protection doesn't last very long. So what we are trying to do, and we are working very diligently right now, it is to make not only a vaccine that will protect, again, all variants, including Omicron, but also something that uh, can protect for at least a year.
2: So you've seen some of that data on a a fourth dose, a second booster shot. Mm -hmm. You think it will be
1: necessary? It is necessary a fourth boost right now. The the
0: protection that you are getting from the third, it is uh, good enough, actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths. It's not that good against infections, but doesn't last very long. Mm -hmm.
1: But we are just submitting those data to the FDA, and then we will see what the experts also will say outside Pfizer.
0: Like, I'm gobsmacked that this guy's even speaking. He's even showing his face anywhere, let alone saying all that after all the documents came out from his company showing what they're causing, what they knew before they got emergency use authorization. And, you know, I I hate to tell you this, those of you that are in the United States, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, wherever you're listening to us from, you think that those COVID restrictions are going away. Oh, no, they're not. No, they're not. You thought, oh, hey, yeah, we won this. We won this battle. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You just heard him. He said, oh, no, we know that there's many more variants on the way. Omicron was just the start. Bruce is telling me today that they're spinning up stuff for COVID back in the U.S. again. I told you they relaxed them just to take the talking points away in the midterms. That's it. After those midterms are over, they're going to slam those chains down again. The French. They relaxed all that stuff because you've got an election coming up here in two weeks and then they're going to reinstitute it. They never lifted the restrictions where I'm at. They didn't lift them here at all. You still got all the COVID restrictions. You still got vaccine passports in here. Nothing changed. Nothing at all. You've got tens of thousands of people protesting, hell, hundreds of thousands in some places across Germany every single day. That gets no media coverage whatsoever. There was one protest in Berlin with about 10,000 people for support of Ukraine. And what do you think got all the airtime? There was about 100,000 people in Frankfurt over the weekend protesting COVID, vaccine passports, segregation and restrictions. Didn't even get a footnote on page 12 of any newspaper. Bruce, if you were the CEO of Pfizer, would you be showing your face after what we talked about last week?
2: No, uh, I would have disappeared and had all traces of me erased. The data he's touting there as well, it's very good at reducing hospitalization and death. You can't compare that to anything. You've had so many people that have had COVID already that have immunity. Uh, It's 90 some percent of people that get COVID have immunity. Then you have how many people that have gone in and taken, uh, you know, the early treatments. uh, And there's other drugs now that they're finding is good against late treatment and uh, helping with the... uh, Clotting and whatnot in the in the lungs. So w- we have treatment on both sides of the front of of dealing with COVID, and those are showing to be far more effective at reducing hospitalization than the vaccines. the The other thing he's failing to mention: how many people are being vaccinated and have gotten some other side effect with it? Uh, how how many are you know having issues uh, like oh, I don't know. Uh, myocarditis or uh, blood clotting or you know which leads to stroke and heart attack and you know uh, h- how many people are having those issues or or uh, nerves or you know what 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 other issues are 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 they not telling you about which we've we, we've uh, gone over um, I I just they're lying to us on on just blatantly out in the open still when we have the data. That shows they are lying to you and they just continue to do it. I, I, I either nobody's paying attention to the, the, the papers that they're releasing or nobody cares. I, I, I don't know. It's it just I'm, I'm hoping people are, are, are growing wise to the games that are going on and are going to, you know, starting to resist this stuff. And basically, it, all it's going to take is just no. Tell them no. I'm sorry. You 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 have to wear a mask. No, I'm not wearing a mask. No, I I have religious exemption. What whatever whatever you want to use. Actually, the religious exemption is actually one that 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 is a front they don't want to fight on because that gets out in the media. That's going to make them look bad and blah blah blah. The lawsuit that is going to follow. Yeah, yeah, they they don't really want that game. So no, it's just time to to stand up against all of this and say no and put some teeth behind it if you have to, uh, with lawsuits, if you, if you can afford it.
0: I, I think we're getting to the point where lawsuits are becoming unobtainable. Is that, does that make sense? Because I'm talking financially here because we're talking about uh, we're talking about suing people, and that takes money. And as prices are now rising uh, and fuel prices are rising, that's going to cause everything else to go up, by the way, because you think, oh, I'm just going to get uh, $8 a gallon gasoline or $5 a gallon gasoline, and you think that's not going to affect anything else. Uh, you got another thing coming. Uh, it's going to take some time for that to happen, but it will happen and it will accelerate as time goes on. Because think about this. Think about this the supply chain. When it comes to the cost of things, let's say, for example, you buy. Um, I don't know. Bruce, do you like hard candy? You know, like Lifesavers and, and stuff like that. Do you like, do you like that stuff?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're nice once in a while. Okay. Sure.
0: Just as an example, right? Or cough drops or mm-hmm. whatever, the, you know, vitamin C drops, whatever yeah. those things you buy at the <laughs> store, right? Those things were put into production and put into the supply chain about a year ago, just to give you an idea. By the time you pick them up, that's usually about the end of the line. That's how long it takes for that to go through. Just as an example for a preserved product like that, you can let that one go for a while. But a lot of this other stuff that has the uh, you know, the shelf life produce, meat, eggs, milk, this kind of stuff, fruits, vegetables, whatever, uh, any type of uh any type of organic stuff, the things that don't have a shelf life. They can't produce that down the line. As in, they can't pre-produce it and then put it down the line for later consumption because it will spoil. It will go bad. So therefore, you're going to have to produce that within a certain period of time to get it to market. You've got growing costs. You've got processing costs. You've got transportation costs. Then you've got markup at the, at the retailer. All that cost is going to get passed on to you, all of it. This is why you're seeing shortages on the shelves now, because the cost of farming is going through the roof, not to mention the fertilizers. I, we didn't get into the fertilizers today. Fertilizers that are being cut off from Russia. Where do you think we get a lot of our fertilizers? The geniuses that are in these political offices, boy, they've really screwed this one up, haven't they? these people, they either don't know what they're doing or they know exactly what they're doing. Maybe it's a combination of both. The people behind the buffoons we've got in these political offices and in these bureaucracies, I believe those people know what they're doing. And it's not any kind of good because the same people that are out there now pushing forth jabs, the data that Bruce was talking about that we've discussed here at Nauseam over the last year, those people know exactly what they're doing. If they were any kind of intelligent and they didn't have any kind of evil intentions, they would have shut that down immediately. But they kept on with it, didn't they? the same people that are pushing these shortages now, that was always going to be the next phase of this. There's nothing more that they can do. You know, I was listening to an interview over the, uh, uh, over the weekend of uh, Dr. Fulmish, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Corona Committee lawyer up in, uh, up in Berlin. And he posed a very interesting point. Maybe we can discuss this in the last few minutes here. He posed a very interesting perspective of something. There's a retreat every year, In the United States for the Federal Reserve, and it's held in um, where did where is that? I I put that article around here somewhere. Um, It's right here. It's held in Jackson Lake Lodge in Grand Teton National Park in Jackson, Wyoming. It's the uh, Economic Symposium. They put it on every uh, every year. The Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City hosted the symposium in Jack Jackson Hall, Wyoming. They've done so every year since 1978. Back during this uh, symposium in 2019, uh, again. This is the point Fulmish was making. Back during the symposium in 2019, they had uh, a lot of people attend, as in they had all the the central bank heads, they had all the, um, the banking guys, the hedge funds, you know, all that stuff. The usual suspects, right? They had them all there. But nobody really knows everything that was discussed behind the scenes. Yes, we know what they put up there with everybody else. If you look at the media uh, pieces that they put out there, oh, it's open. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we don't even close it down. It's still open to the public and anybody can, can go there. Really? Since when have you known the Federal Reserve Central Banking System to be transparent about anything and to be open and public about anything? We've been trying to get in there and do an audit since their inception and they won't let anybody near it. So why would you think that whatever they discuss at this meeting that happened on August 22nd of 2019, why would you expect them to be open and public about anything that they were doing? Fulmish has done some great work. He's interviewed a lot of experts and everybody that's involved with uh, with this entire uh, scheme that these people have cooked up. Uh, behind the scenes, uh, you know, the pharma companies, the banking establishments, everything else. you know he he had said early on, and we were kind of of the same opinion that the banks were just empty. you know they they spent all the money, they they stole everybody's pension funds. we knew that. We knew that. And again, I asked the question. I asked the question almost two years ago now. I said, if you tell the average person out there, just somebody that's that's down into the whole COVID mask wearing, social distancing, everything else, taking jabs and everything else. If you were to approach them and say, hey, you don't have a pension fund, as in all your pension money's gone, you get nothing. And if they actually believe that, do you think they're going to give a damn about anything that involves COVID? I don't think so. It doesn't matter what their politics are. If they realize that there is no pension that they're working towards, then- they're not going to give too much of a damn about your COVID policies. They're not going to listen to your media establishments, are they? So what I'm saying is, is that this transcends political lines. But Fulmish's assessment was, and I can kind of agree with this from some of the sources that I spoke to before, uh, which we even mentioned here at the time, he's of the opinion that at this meeting here, So August 22nd of 2019, if you think about it, we got COVID less than six months after that, didn't we? The people that he's interviewed, the financial experts and things that he's interviewed are all of pretty much the same opinion. What was supposed to happen in 2008 that didn't happen because it was too big to fail? The financial collapse. They surmised that the markets were finished in September of 2019. They were done. There was nothing more they could do. They had to figure out what they could do to rapidly change policy, and they needed to change it fast, and they didn't know what else to do. They couldn't do another 2008 because people already knew what they did back then. They couldn't do another one of those. We're already out of money anyway. Nobody would have accepted it again, not to the level that they needed this time. They needed 800 billion last time, which turned out to be a lie that we just found out about. They've been pumping 100 trillion for the last hundred weeks into the markets that they haven't told us about. The taxpayers that are going to be on the hook for that. They took out 30 trillion in 2009, which was supposed to be 800 billion that they didn't tell us about. What did you think they were going to need to bail out? trillion or $150 trillion or however the hell much it's been. God only knows. They couldn't put that to the people. So we got COVID out of the deal. And now, of course, what have you had since COVID? You've had out of control spending by the trillions, by the tens of trillions. They've tried to stave it off. Even Dowd backed that up. In his first interviews, he said, look, if I blew a hole in the world, if I blew up the world, I'd want to have an excuse to make sure I wasn't the one holding the bag. They needed something to stop the coming riots. And they didn't have it because everybody would have known that it would have been them. But see, now, all oh, see, it's COVID. It's the unvax. It's your fault. It's Putin's fault. It's Russia's fault. It's, it, it's that war in Ukraine, you know, whatever. Just something to take the focus off of them while they have been trying to get that digital wallet in place, that digital currency in place. They've been desperately trying to get that in place. They needed you to take it with COVID and you didn't. You saw through it so they gave you a war instead. Now there's going to be shortages and rationing. But honestly, I believe that and on top of that, you got the deaths now with COVID. They're not going to be able to hide that. You're not going to be able to hide all these bodies. You're just not going to do it. I don't think it's going well for them. Just on a personal note, I don't think it's going well for them. Now, that doesn't mean that they're finished. God, I would love to believe that they are. That doesn't mean that they're finished. I think, personally, I think it just makes them that much more dangerous. If Fulmish is correct, if he's correct about that, which again, I spoke to somebody in that world, as in that that uh, financial world back then. And I spoke to him, I want to say it was in November of 2019. We talked about it here. I remember mentioning it here. 2019 in, in November, before COVID, that person who I've known for a long time, who I trust, told me specifically that there is a correction coming. Now, i they didn't know how big that correction was going to be. They didn't know what it was going to look like. But there was a correction coming because I, I even said back in uh, 2019, I, I called this person and I said, "There's no way this can continue, is there?" I, it, this is when Trump was still in office. I said, "There's no, there's no way this can continue. We're running how many trillions in in, in debt, and and we've got uh, 30,000 dow. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all, even to an average person like myself who is not very well versed in the." Uh, uh, in the whole uh, Wall Street game and all that stuff. I don't know anything about that stuff. I've always talked to people like that to get advice, but there's no way that can continue. And there's certainly no way they can kick this can down the road any further. And it's like what was said in the beginning from the uh, the former BlackRock uh, executive. He said, we're at the end. That's it. COVID bought the Fed a reprieve. It allowed them to do unconventional things that they've never been able to do before publicly. They've been doing it behind the scenes, to the tune of God knows what, uh, what we've been able to find out is, is horrendous in and of itself. But they've been able to do unconventional things to stave this off until now. And of course, they've always tried to hide their tracks, as in the central banking establishment. They've always tried to hide their tracks through history, through wars, shortages. Huh. And I guess now it's pandemics, isn't it? Wars <laughs> and shortages has always been their thing. It's always been their go-to things. They'll stir up a conflict in, uh, in foreign affairs. That's always been their deal. But One other thing, uh, and then I'll toss it to you for the final word, but one other thing that I forgot to mention. Fulmish did mention in, in that interview uh, about the financial thing, he did mention it and it kind of confirmed what you and I had, uh, had suspected. Him and and, and the uh, the consensus that the, the financial guys that they were having the discussion with, they pretty much came to the same conclusion that you and I did a couple of weeks ago. I, th- I want to say it was a couple of weeks ago. And that was the financial system, as in, as we know it, the, the financial system was essentially over at the end of the 60s, long before we were born, because we started to see the war start right after that, didn't we? we saw Vietnam then we saw uh, the whole Panama thing you know the Iran Contra deals and then of course as we got into the 90s we uh, we started uh, the conflicts in the Middle East and everything else we've been in a perpetual state of war ever since the end of the uh, the actual financial era which was about the end of the 60s end of the 60s first part of the
2: 70s is when it started i mean technically we've been in war footing since the 40s technically because then you had korea vietnam during that time period you also had the the cold war going on yeah uh yeah so we've effectively been in war or at least war footing uh since world war ii uh but that said i'm not entirely sure that the whole covid narrative and ukraine war are detached in the sense of they they're they're done with the COVID narrative now, and they needed something else. I'm not sure those two are. I I'm, I'm I actually think they're both together. I, I think it's both. I think they're I think they're um, together. Yeah, I
0: I don't think they're separate. I, I don't think that right. at all. Because if, if you look at the timing, if you look at the timing, if you look at where COVID came, they COVID just happened to hit at just the right time. Just the right time. It, it just happened to hit at just the right time. Same thing with uh, Putin going into Ukraine militarily. It makes no sense for him to do what he did. To go in, even if you were going to go in there, made no sense for him to go in this time of year. Makes no sense.
2: Yeah, but he yeah, did it anyway. Too much, too much moisture, too much mud, too much. Yeah. It, it just. But it, it was it's right not, it's not the at time the time
0: they needed it, as in the the corrupt Western establishment but, It was right at the time they needed it.
2: Yeah, for for the narrative. But what I'm meaning is the uh, uh, in reference to the digital ID. Oh, those yeah. I, I think the two are tied together for the digital ID. I don't think I don't think they they switched over to Ukraine and, and that war because the people saw through them trying to do the digital ID with the pandemic. I don't think they were going to be able to get through even if even if everything went the way they wanted it to with the pandemic, which it essentially did. I don't think there were gonna be it, that's not enough, I, I don't think, to get people on board with the digital ID. I don't think that's quite enough. But now that you're starting to see inflation, now that you're starting to see uh, gas prices increase, the cost of living is going up, housing, there's a record number of houses on the market today that are over a million dollars. The changes that we're seeing, there's going to be um, shortages on food and, well, to to better ration these things, uh, we're going to need an ID system. This will also help you with your healthcare. This will also... They're setting a bunch of narratives, a little, a little milestones and markers that they're they're putting out here, and and having you feel the pain of different things, so that when they finally get to they 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 believe they have enough pre built foundation fear, they can pull out the digital ID system and be like, look, you see all these issues that we had recently. Here's here's something that could help us. Overcome these situations and ensure that they're never that severe again. Because COVID was so bad because we couldn't get people to get vaccinated. The the shortages and supplies were so bad because we had people hoarding. Uh, you know the shortages were because of logistical issues. People weren't going to work or whatever the case is. And if you have a dig- digital ID, well, we could track where you are, what you're doing, and all those kind of things. Also, on uh, a side note, wasn't there a video or something we were gonna? That we had last week that we were wanting to show this, like, and we kept forgetting about it. It was something that we kept forgetting about. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what it was now. We had something, we had something lined up and it was like a, I don't think we got, because I remember after having Marty on we were like crap we were supposed to do this and then we Oh had that read, was, and it was the like, crap that, we forgot yeah, to, to the, this.
0: Yeah yeah I know what it was that was the uh that was the collusion between the media and the uh, Biden administration for uh, money changing hands oh, they yes. gave him like a billion dollars to That's give right. uh to give positive covid and that includes fox news and newsmax by the way uh to give positive coverage of the vaccines and no negative coverage of that and yes we have receipts for that
2: that's what it was yeah and that's um uh, they they're just i think this is all paving the way with narrative and that actually that that fits in with what what i was saying it this is they're paving the way to have their dystopian future that they want.
0: All right. We're going to have to end it there. Unfortunately, we did run over a little bit, actually. But We are going to have to go. For those of you who would like to drop us an email, we would love to hear from you with all your feedback. Uh, good, bad, ugly, all the rest of it. We love, uh, love hearing from you. Please do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, if you are trying to wake up other people, if you're trying to point them in the right direction, we would appreciate it if you would just tell five friends about us because we do our best around here to try and put all the conspiracies to bed or cons- let me put it this way, to put all the conspiracy theories to bed Uh, and we try to give you real conspiracy fact as opposed to conspiracy fiction if you're looking to wake somebody else up uh, and hopefully get somebody out of a fourth booster then point them our direction so we would appreciate that thank you for being here today bruce thank you to all of the listeners everyone have a fantastic evening